Most of you, if you've been in church for a while, have, have heard uh, the expression, uh, God works all things together for good. And we kind of like that because it really sounds neat that God's in the process of working all this stuff in our lives together uh, to produce something really, really good out of it. And, and it should sound good because we pull it out of Romans eight twenty eight. And as we're going through that verse, we, we discover a lot. We, we hang a lot on that eight, Romans 8, 28 verse. I've used it multiple times in multiple ways. But sometimes I think we end up thinking that God's kind of like the AAA guy. You know, when we have a flat, when we lock our keys in the car, when our battery's dead, we just kind of call out to God and, and he pulls up in his heavenly tow truck and fixes whatever's going on in our lives. What we want to ask ourselves, though, is, is that really what that verse is telling us? If we're going to hang so much on Romans 8, 28, then we want to know what it really means. We want to know what it is that we're hanging our hat on, what we're counting on when life gets tough for us. And as I was thinking and praying through this, I ran into the story of a guy named David Landreth. And I want to share with you a little of this guy's story. David Landreth was the pastor of Long Hollow Baptist Church in Hendersonville, Tennessee. He pastored there for 17 years. His church had grown from 300 to over 7,500. And just this past year, he baptized over 1,000 people. Everything seemed to be working out for good for David Landreth and Long Hollow Baptist Church. March this year, David was diagnosed with a rare colorectal melanoma on on November 18th. He passed away. Let me share some of what was written about him in a Baptist Press article. In a sermon shortly after his diagnosis, Landreth had said, As I thought about what was going on, though it really came to me that, uh, again, that I've preached the gospel of Jesus Christ for, for now 25 years and have shared with people, this world is not our home. We're not going to be here forever. We're going to have this beautiful experience of living with the Lord forever and ever in eternity. And I just said, you know what? I've got to hold on to all the things that I know are true and that I've shared with others for many years. Landreth continued, I'm going to pray. I'm going to fight. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to seek all the medical help we can find. But more than anything else, I want to bring glory to Jesus as I walk through this. And I would ask your prayers for me as I go through it. I'm absolutely convinced that God will work this for good, Landreth said in another sermon. He referenced Romans 8, 28. We know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And he noted, it doesn't mean that all in our life is going to be good. It just means that God can take, because he's sovereign, because he ordains the beginning and the end and nothing catches him off guard, he can take all of these things that we face in a broken, fallen world And he can bring things out of it that advance the kingdom and bring glory to himself. And it may be that God has called me to be healed and people will glorify his name. It may be that God has called me to die 
It may not be realized until after I'm gone, but I'm absolutely convinced of the truth of Romans 8:28 that all things that we are experiencing as Christ's followers, as we respond and walk with him, that he can bring and work out of each and every one of those situations. Bring and work good out of each and every one of those situations. When you hear David Landreth's story, you recognize that Romans 8:28 is not a pie in the sky kind of promise. What is not being said here is that God's going to take all the manure in your life and make it into a pretty rose garden. That's not what's being said. If we're going to quote the verse, if we're going to rely on the verse, if we're going to use the verse, then it helps. We need to understand this verse and not just yank it out of the book of Romans as kind of the, the, uh, 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 just a spot that we get our blessing from. In fact, if we're really going to understand this verse, we need to see the the ground in which it's planted. We need to understand the context in which this verse is spoken. But let's so let's first of all let's look at this verse not in isolation, but together with the two verses that follow it, verses 28, 29 and 30. So Romans 8:28 and then we'll go to 29 and 30. This is what we read. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Now that gives us a little better image, and we're going to focus on those three verses here in just a moment. But to get a running start, to give us a context for these verses, to help us to understand what they mean, we need to figure out what happened, what Paul, what led Paul to say that. And as we begin in verse 8, we see a discussion of the sufferings that are to come. We don't see a discussion, oh, here, here's, here's all the blessings. Here, here's all the blessings you have in Christ. He's not throwing out the blessings. He's throwing out the problems we have. And so let me just kind of give you a running start as we get up to those verses. In verse 10, we're reminded that these bodies we have are subject to death. In other words, we're all going to die. In verse 17, Paul begins to talk about the sufferings we will endure for Christ. In verse 21, we read about the decaying that takes place both in our bodies and in the world. In other words, things fall apart. Things break down. Any of you who've, who've eclipsed the 50 mark, you, you understand this, right? Okay? Things don't work quite like they used to. Decay begins to set in. Our, our, the, it just, it's just natural. But it also happens with our stuff, doesn't it? I mean, you, you buy something... I, was, I put on a shirt yesterday, and I looked, and the sleeves had begun to kind of ravel here, and the, it, began, it began to unravel here. And, and I'm thinking, you know, I just bought this shirt. Well, it was five years ago. But, you know, I expect things to last a little longer. Things wear out. Things wear down. This is the world in which we live. Our bodies and the world is doing this. If we keep reading, we discover in verse 26 that Paul talks about our weaknesses. And then in verse 35, he gives us a whole list 
of things that take place in life. Trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, and sword. This, folks, is the world in which we live. It is a world filled with hardship, a world filled with trouble. And if you came looking for just a pat on the back, you know, rainbows and butterflies today, I promise you, you're not going to get it. That's not the purpose. Before we can understand Romans 8, 28, we have to take a real look at real life. Some of you are sitting in here right now, and you know exactly, exactly, exactly what I'm talking about. You are undergoing trials, tribulations, disappointment, disillusionment right now. This morning, this morning, I'm getting up, uh, getting ready to uh, get, getting ready to shave. I already had the stuff on my face, getting ready to shave. My phone rings. Listen, when my phone rings late at night, early in the morning, it's never good. You know, it's always, it's always bad news. And that's okay. Uh, but this morning, it was my mother. My stepfather, who has a towing service, had gotten called out during the night and uh, early morning hours. And while on site at a wreck, he had had up to four minor heart attacks. Taken to the hospital, had another one there, as I understand it, and uh, underwent uh, a stent placed in this morning, and I'll check after the service and see how things are going. But you see, he's a believer. He's not immune to that stuff, just like you aren't, just like the prayers for Bob tonight. Just because Bob is a believer in Christ doesn't mean that somehow all of his, the bad stuff in life somehow gets washed away and you don't have to deal with these kinds of things. This is the world in which we live. It is a broken, fallen world, and, and we have good things that come to us. And thank God, it's by His grace that good things come to us. And there are bad things that don't come to us. And thank God for his mercy as he spares us. But folks, you and I both know, you're lying to yourself if you say the Christian life is all, all roses and no thorns. It's not. And so this is the soil in which Romans 8.28 is planted. This is the running start we need to get if we're going to understand and embrace this, these verses. And so let's begin to unfold them a little bit this morning. Romans 8, let's look at verse 28. Just look at the the part that we know and love, okay? And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. Let's break that down a little bit. We know that in all things. All things. What is that? It's everything. It's the good stuff in your life. It's the bad stuff in your life. And it's those other things in your life that don't fit neatly into category good or bad. In other words, this verse is not saying that God is going to spare us from all bad things that might come our way. Now, how I wish it said that. And I wish I could stand it before you as some preachers do and say, Hey, listen, if you just have enough faith that none of this stuff's ever going to happen to you. But I've lived long enough and seen people of deep, abiding faith suffer terribly. And it is a lie to say that it's because that faith just wasn't big enough. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says if you have the faith a size of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. It has nothing to do with the size of your faith. It has everything to do with the size of your God in whom your faith is placed. 
And just because you have faith doesn't mean that you are immune to the challenges. We live in the United States, folks. We've got a distorted view of what it means to follow Christ. In very few countries do you have the freedom that you have here and the lack of oppression. Now, we might complain that this store or that store does has stopped saying Merry Christmas and started saying Happy Holidays. I have to wonder what our brothers and sisters who are hiding out in Saudi Arabia, our brothers and sisters whose churches just burned down in Iraq or Afghanistan, I have to wonder how much they worry about Happy Holidays or Merry Christmas. They have a completely different view. We are so immune and we're so blessed and, and we've got all these, these you know, we, we, we have long lifespans and we have doctors and we have medicine on every shelf. And, and yes, I know it's expensive, but it's there. We go home to warm, dry homes. We have, our problem is, is not whether we have something to wear, but what am I going to pick out among all these choices? And then when something happens, we get upset with God that he's been unfair to us. And we say, it's just not right. In all things means in all things. But in all things, it says God is at work. Don't miss this. And everything that's happening in your life right now, and I don't know everything that's happening in your life right now. I know some of your challenges. I know some of your triumphs. But you know far better than I the things that are happening in your life. In everything that's happening in your life right now, I want to tell you something. God is at work. God is at work right now in your life. It's not a matter of fate. It's not a matter of, hey, whatever. It's not a matter of Murphy's Law. You need to understand God is at work. And he's using everything in your life for a purpose. And what's that purpose? God is at work in all these things for good. He's at work for good. This is not a promise that only good things are going to take place in your life. It's not a promise that when one door closes or slams in your face as they're prone to do, that God's immediately going to have another one right there for you. That's not the promise at all. Those things happen, and we thank God when they do happen. But that's not the promise. That's not the good. If that were the good, then we've got some people in the Bible to whom God owes an apology. For you see, John the Baptist, because he believed in the one who would come, the Messiah, was Jesus, went to prison and was beheaded. Stephen, Stephen, who did nothing but love God and serve people, was dragged out in the street by an angry mob. And because he would not denounce his faith and instead declared that Jesus was in all his glory, they stoned him to death. Those two aren't the only ones. What about Matthew, who was killed for his faith with a sword? Or Mark, who was killed for his faith by being dragged behind a bunch of horses? Or Luke, 
who was hanged, or Peter who was crucified upside down, or John who was whom they attempted to boil alive, but who were survived and ended up exiled for the rest of his life on the Isle of Patmos. We look at David Landris' life. We look at the lives of these saints. We consider our brothers and sisters in these oppressed countries. And then, then we bring Romans 8.28 into it. Because for us, that's not good. It's not good that a church should be burned to the ground. It's not good that your family should be killed for their faith. It's not good that there should be martyrs at all. It's not good that a faithful man who grew a church, who was faithful to his family, faithful to his church, baptized over a thousand last year. For us, that's just not good. And so we as believers, we either have to pretend that it's all good. Or we have to shove all this stuff in the closet and pretend that the bad stuff's not here. Or we have to deal with Romans 8.28 and what it really says. That in everything in your life, good, bad, and otherwise, God is at work to bring about good, but not good by our definition. In other words, God has another good. And if we equate good here in Romans 8.28 with benign circumstances, with good circumstances, that God's going to work out everything and it's all going to be roses and butterflies, if we think the good is that our lives are going to automatically be better and richer with less pain and more gain, When that doesn't happen, we get shocked. And we become disappointed with God. And we accuse God of being unfair to us to bring this kind of stuff in our lives. It is no wonder that so many Christians live disappointed and disillusioned lives. Because the good that the way they define good in such a way that God has not defined it. And so what we want to do today is to know that God is at work for good, but we want to understand what God's good is. What is it that God is actually trying to do? And so let's move on from Romans 8.28 to 8.29, and let's look at what it says here. For those whom, uh, For those God foreknew... He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Here we see God's definition of what is what good is. Here is God's definition of good. God's aim is not your health, wealth, or happiness. God's aim is your holiness. Now, it's not that God doesn't care about your health. It's not that God doesn't care about your wealth. It's not that God doesn't care about your happiness. You just need to understand, when it comes to priorities, God is more concerned about your holiness. And so what does this verse say? That we're predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That's God's definition of good. That we look like, sound like, act like, more like Jesus. 
The good is that we become more like Jesus. The word conformed that you see in this verse. Now, if some of you have hung with me for a while, you, uh, you've probably heard me reference Romans 12 too. Uh, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You say, okay, conformed is a bad word. Well, what you need to understand is in the Greek, it's a different word. Here, it's translated as conformed, but basically this word is a little different. It basically means for the outside to change because the inside has changed. For the outside to change because the inside has changed. In other words, it's not a matter of obeying rules or following this particular pattern or or lifestyle or program. It's about the life of Jesus in us producing the life of Jesus through us. That's what it's about. Now, if you don't get this, if you don't grasp this, if you don't accept this, that the good God wants for you is better than the good you want for you. That the good God wants for you is for your life to look more like Jesus. That the good God wants for you is holiness and righteousness in your life. If you don't get that, then you're very apt to give up in discouragement, to mope, or to get angry. Because God's just not being fair to you. What you need to know is this, that the bad things that God permits in your life, He can use to make you more like Jesus. The bad things that God permits in your life He can use to make you more like Jesus. We want to hide from those bad things. We want to avoid those bad things. But I tell you what, I've never survived a game of dodgeball. Now, I've jumped out of the way a lot of balls. But in the end, I always get hit. In this life, you may dodge a lot of problems, a lot of turmoil, a lot of trouble. But in the end, I promise you, it's going to smack you. And when it does, if you have defined good in such a way that says that this can't, God can't make this good. This is, this is terrible. This is awful. This is evil. Nothing good can come of this. Then basically you just short-circuited what God wants to do in your life. Now, I'm not standing here to tell you that God's throwing dodgeballs at you, okay? I'm not telling you that. But I'm telling you that every one of them is something God can use to make you more like Jesus. The promise is not that God's going to give us good circumstances. That's not the promise. The promise is that God's going to work all things together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. The good God wants to do in us is not tied to the circumstances of our lives. It's tied to the condition of our souls. And in the end, there will be a lot of people who stand before God whose circumstances in this life were really, really good. But we'll hear Jesus say, depart from me, I never knew you. Now, I don't want you to get upset or discouraged or confused because some of you saw that word in here uh, that we are predestined. Uh, You saw that, right? 
For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. And our purpose this morning is not to deal with predestination. And we, for he will, to be honest, that was not Paul's issue right here. That's not what he was dealing with. That's not the focus of his message. The Bible uses this word, uh, pro-orizo. It does mean determined beforehand. But what's it saying here? God's plan before the foundation of the earth was for every person who believes in his son, Jesus, to be changed, to be like him. That's all it's saying. God's plan, God's purpose, what God determined beforehand was for those who are in Christ to be like Christ. So you want to know what God's up to in your life? When God is at work in your life, what is he doing? His overriding concern is not for your comfort, but for your character. His overriding concern is not your happiness. It's your holiness. What he wants more than anything for you is that you become more like his son, Jesus. Don't miss that. That's the point. That's what God's at work doing. So let's go on and look at verse 30 and get this one included here. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Now what I want you to note in there, look at, for those of you who remember your English, okay? These are all in the past tense, right? Look at them. Predestined. The ED on the end is kind of a hint. Okay? Shows you past tense. He predestined, he called, he justified, he glorified. Now we can get the first ones, but the last one we think, hey, wait a minute, that hadn't happened yet. And you're right. That happens on the day we check out here, we go to stand before Jesus, and because we are in Christ, we will shine with brilliant radiance just as he does. We will be glorified. All this old stuff, all the decay, all the death, all this stuff will be stripped away. And we will be glorified. But here, it's in the past tense. Why? Listen. Because if you're in Christ, it's as good as done. As far as God is concerned, for whom time is not an issue, it is past tense. God has said it. He has promised it. He will do it. You can count on it. As far as God's concerned, we are already there. But for us, we're in the process of getting there. And so the bad things that come into your life, God wants to use that to begin to sanctify you. The good things that come into your life, God wants to use that to sanctify you. Everything coming at you, blessing or trouble, God wants to use that to sanctify you. Now, I'm not saying we should not pray for bad things not to happen and we should pray for good things to happen. The Bible teaches us to do that. But we also need to understand that the things that God lets come through the filter, He wants to use. And if we can simply see that God is at work 
It can help us to cope with and to wrestle with the things that are happening in our lives right now. That some of you are really having a hard time with. Some of you are really, really struggling with right now. But you can begin to put those in a new perspective. because, And you can say, you know what? Here's my all things bucket that God is using. Okay, that belongs in my all things bucket. Okay, uh, this belongs in my all things bucket. Yep, yep, this over here, it belongs in my all things bucket. And all this stuff in my bucket is what God is using to make me more like Jesus. Here's God's promise to you, and, and you need to hang on to this. You may want to add this as verse 13 to your memory verses for the year. Philippians 1.6 says, He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. You need to understand there's never a time that God is not at work. His hard hat is always on. He's always got his safety vest on. He's always got his toolbox with him. There's always, God is always working in your life. When you're asleep, God's working. When you're awake, God's working. When you go off to work, God's working. When you are off at the golf course, God's working. When you're out on the lake, God's working. When you're having your quiet time, God's working. God's at work. And what's he doing? He's fulfilling this promise. He's carrying it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. This is a promise for every child of God. And the work, the good that he's trying to do in you is far greater than anything you could even imagine. In our grace group on Wednesday nights, Mike Yarborough is in our grace group on Wednesdays. And when we come to our prayer time, Mike always says, hey, pray for me. And um, we, we don't even have to ask him what he wants us to pray for because it's, he, he, it's, it's consistent prayer request every week. I want to see. You see, Mike's blind. I want to see. But then he always adds this. But I know one day I will see. See, it doesn't mean we don't, we don't continue to pray for God to send good things into our lives. It just means that we understand that God has a bigger and higher and greater purpose that we can't always see, we can't always grasp, we can't always perceive. Jesus said to his disciples, and he says to us, I've told you these things so that in me you might have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I've overcome the world. When you read Romans 8, 28, you need to read it in light of John 16, 33. In this world, you will have trouble. But in me, Jesus says, you'll have peace.